welcome to Fake Gamer Girls, the podcast with gamer girls. Um, and we also you're getting worse at this every and week. We talk <laughs> about things. It's that's what a podcast is. My mm-hmm. name is Erin. <laughs> I'm Sam. I'm Josie. And I'm Nevaeh. What the? Ah, there's an That's probably so bad on the ears. Just all of us. <laughs> Welcome, Nevaeh. Oh Thank you. Nevaeh is our dear friend, and she is here to guest star on our special little show. Um, and a big part of the reason we have invited you, Nevaeh, you know the reason. Tell us. I am majoring in game design. Whoa! And you're a girl. And I'm a girl. No, no, that's not part of it. No. <laughs> yeah. And you're a fake gamer. This podcast has nothing to do with being a girl. Or a gamer. <laughs> yeah. We actually, so, this is an elaborate here. prank and we're pivoting now. This is now uh, the cornstarch podcast <laughs> yes. please corn. tell us the fun fact about this starch. is now the real sporty boys yeah <laughs> the rowdy it's like when the powerpuff girls had we're the rowdy rough the rowdy rough boys <laughs> perfect um but yeah nevea is studying game design and why don't you tell us a little bit about that so We are going to center this episode around that topic, but we'll get into it more. I would love for you to really take us away with your knowledge. Okay, so I've done two years now. um, Incredible. I do have an art focus, so I'm not doing so much of the coding. But basically, what I learned with the major is every single aspect of making a game. That's so cool. I have learned that making games is really excruciating incredibly <laughs> complicated <laughs> but it does make me appreciate games more sure um, um so like what would you say is like so you're you told me you're making a game as part of your coursework right yeah i haven't started yet but okay. i will be soon do you want to can you give us any like hints or or do you really or are you like not sure yet well um coming up this fall is when we start doing the planning so i have not done any planning for yet yeah okay get off the podcast (laughs) 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 never mind this isn't you're not as cool as we thought bye (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's so sick though so like if i was like i have a vision and i need you to help me make it like i was like this is my game do you feel like you you are well equipped yeah, something well, like that. I, I have made games already. They're okay. just like really small and like little baby games. Yeah. So, do you have any like? Oh, there's a door creaking. I'm do... so sorry, that was my husband. <laughs> I, I heard him slam the door from here. So. I forgive him just this once. Um, I was just gonna ask. Do you feel like you have any like inspirations, game wise or people wise, where you're like? this is what I aspire to either be or make? And if the answer is no, I'm springing these questions on you. So I'm like, if you don't have a perfectly fleshed out answer, I will forgive you. Okay. Um, yes, I have probably a million inspirations. <laughs> um, basically every single game that I played up to this point. 
<laughs> has like massively inspired me. Um, but the biggest game would be The Last of Us, of course. Oh. I've played that game. She's a making times. me play through it right now, and it's <laughs> have really you never played it, Josie? No. Oh, it's so good though. Spoiler alert. Um, I'm at the part where the dude just shot himself in the head. So yeah, yeah. Um, what are you making me play, lady? I'm it's so a really sorry. good game, though. It is. It's, it's really yeah. good. I know it's, Sam. Sweet Sam's so not far, particularly. Like, in a bad way. Yeah, you're not particularly no. familiar with it, right, Sam? Breaking way. No. Last we of us... did discuss the controversies of the second game. Yes, though. We I did was. Do that. I was going to ask about that. Well, really quick for all of our listeners who might not know, The Last of Us is. Uh, there are now two games in the series, and you in the first game you play as Joel, who is and Ellie. Joel basically, it's the apocalypse. It's a zombie apocalypse, and Joel kind of adopts this vagabond teen you know 13 year old and they basically it's sort of they're surviving the apocalypse together sort of like the road by Cormac McCarthy if you've read that but um more involved and a lot more zombies yeah there are none in the road but there are many in the last (laughs) (laughs) many many um yeah what did you think of the second game yeah, and people that just want to kill you too. Did you guys, Nivea? Did you play the second Last of Us game? Yeah, I played. I played both of them, and I played the DLC. And um, okay. I played the second game quite a few times. Actually, I kind of have really? like this issue where when I like a game, I play it six hundred times. You sound like Josie. <laughs> yeah, but with movies when I was like four. <laughs> well, and you freaking played Until Dawn like nine thousand times. I did not. I actually only played through the whole thing once, oh. and I didn't even play it. It was Miles who played it. So, oh, <laughs> anyway, but I have watched like four hundred people play it. So yeah, um, but you like the second one? Um, what? So I actually didn't play it until about a year after it came out. I was super hyped, and then um, if you don't know. The entire, like, major plot line to the story got leaked, um, mm-hmm. like, a month or two before the game came out, or maybe a little, like, before that. But it got leaked, and I was very angry when I read it, so I did yeah. not buy the game, and I, like, I waited until it went on sale, and it was yeah. half off, and that is when I got it. You know what? Good way to do it. Yeah. That's what you do with every game. I do. I'm like, oh my gosh, we should play this together. And she's like, wait till it's on sale. That's me too. (laughs) Or I'm like, let's check all the third party websites and see if they're selling it for cheap. Every week on this podcast, I'm like, just check G2A, check Enaba. Like, everybody's like, shut up. We get it. Oh my gosh. Um, Yeah. I, as a, I know, I'm sure you probably have kind of a weird perspective on, on gaming as well. And like, you know writing and and game writing and game development since you studied that that's definitely something that happened to me I if for people who don't know I have a degree and it's sort of like an English degree um and I am like quite literally get paid to write every day and I have once I got my degree or like started school I just became so critical of everybody's (laughs) writing all the time and, like, I had that experience with The Last of Us 2 where I really didn't like the story beats that they chose. I didn't like the way the plot was laid out. Like, I was, like, as a writer, I was, like, this is trash. Yeah. And overall, it's not as bad as I thought it would be, but it's definitely really controversial, which this probably isn't that good of a discussion because we're trying to be non-spoilery. Yeah. But it's it's a lot. 
that's for sure it is definitely a lot and i definitely acknowledge a lot of the controversies because there's a lot of controversies outside of the game itself like the game experience that happened with that game like the Mm. treatment of the developers and stuff yeah and that's a pretty big issue that i think also kind of kept me away from it especially because i'm trying to become a developer i I can see why insulted by that yeah but um playing it about 600 times also just kind of helped me change my perspective on it because I got to see every single little detail of the entire game sure um and I don't know I just think that you just have to play it you have to play the entire series in like one sitting and don't sleep like you have to get the full experience (laughs) and like really digest it these are like 30 40 hour games I thought (laughs) They're freaking, that's too much. But I, I do appreciate the sentiment. I know what yeah. you're saying. The vibes, I agree with. But yeah, those games um, just inspired me a lot because I think, or at least especially with the first game, like every single aspect of it was just really impressive to me. Like the character design and the world building. Mm-hmm. And, Stunning. Yeah, and, and just the way that they communicate the story and everything. It was just, I was like so, my my mind was blown. My entire world was changed Mm -hmm. and that's just like really just the entire experience of it go play the last of us if you've never played it please yeah really um it's it and that's definitely one of those like first experiences i remember having with games uh especially like the current generation of games where you you look at it and your brain is like whoa like that is stunning that's so beautiful to look at like the environment you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. like I I definitely remember having that experience with with the first last of us game and being like how are video games this good looking now (laughs) it's insane yeah and and then you and then you hear that they take like eight years to make and then you're like um, okay okay, yeah (laughs) there might be something to that that makes sense that it would take many 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 moons um yeah well so we'll have plenty of time we've we're kind of this is a more relaxed episode format for sure but i was just going to give us sort of a you know a a brief history of women in game development um and just kind of talk about the ladies that have brought us to where we are today that have you know because i think you know we are this we have this podcast fake gamer girls we don't really talk about necessarily we haven't, at least so far, really covered, like, some of the controversies that women in gaming face and some of the challenges. You know, mostly we've talked about creating, you know, sort of a safe space for people who are super casual gamers or super serious gamers to, like, just chat. Um, but I do think there is something to be said about us, you know, using a platform as well to talk about cool ladies, you know? You know what I mean? <laughs> so, uh yeah. I will say I am uh, going to use the term through this episode. We already have been, and I'm going to continue just to say game design or game development. I just want to clarify. I do mean video games. I'm not talking about, you know, any, you know, game is such a broad category. We're specifically talking about video games. So if you feel like I'm saying, you know, this was the first lady game designer and you're like, well, no, because somebody invented tic-tac-toe. That's not what I'm talking about, but um, but you're still valid, and you can comment that on our Instagram if you want to. Um, <laughs> and also, this is also just one more quick disclaimer before we jump in. I didn't do a ton of research on any of these women slash people's professional or personal lives. This is only their professional lives. So if I'm like, this person is cool, and they invented X, Y, Z, and you are like, oh, 
well, I, you know, they're also racist. Like that makes me really sad, but I'm not trying to like say that all of these people are inherently good people. I'm trying to, you know, like, does this, does it make sense what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if these people are good people, if they did good things. I think that they have created something significant. So, and, 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 uh, you know, they've made history in some way. So that's the caveats. And yeah, if you know more about any of these, I, we'd love to hear from you. Find, follow us on Instagram at fake gamer girls pod and comment all this stuff. So the history of women in video games goes back pretty much as far as video games. 1997 when I was born. Oh, Sam invented video games. You <laughs> did it. That's crazy. You. That's yes, crazy. I did it. Um, anyway. <laughs> so, um, the first, so like the history of women in gaming kind of goes back to 1912 which sounds absolutely insane and i am it also isn't really true um because that's actually when the first female game designer was born so she wouldn't go on to create her first game until 1964 but she was born in 1912 so technically that history started there um So the history of early video games is very contested. It's really unclear because, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in early computer history where it's like what defines a game, you know, that sort of thing. It's sort of in the 50s and 60s. I believe that this is happening. Um, But the first female game designer um, is not contested at all. This is Mabel Addis. Um, and she is the writer and game designer for the Sumerian game, um, which came out in 1964. So Mabel Addis was not, uh, she was not like a, she didn't work in tech. She wasn't a programmer. She wasn't an engineer of any, you know, she was a school teacher. Isn't that so effing sick? Oh my gosh. Mabel, Mabel Addis, you're giving me shivers just talking about you. Um, so Mabel Addis is a school teacher and she was really, really good at teaching, like, really boring topics. Like, kids were always like, you made even the most boring stuff interesting. And in 1964, she worked with a programmer and designed and wrote the Sumerian game, um, which actually was also the first text-based uh, educational adventure game. It's also, uh, you know, recognized as, like, the first strategy video game um you know it's kind of it's since it was so early it didn't even have a category but a lot of people call it the first ever strategy video game and the Sumerian game was like a text-based game on like it wasn't even a computer with a screen it was like this weird little computer thing that would essentially like print stuff out as you go like it was almost like a fax machine (laughs) Um, it was on the IBM 790. So it's a teleprinter is what it's called. Um, and so the game is centered around resource and land management and it's set in 3,500 BC and players would act as like the rulers of, of Sumeria. And like you would, it would literally, you would have this little computer thing that would, it was connected to a projector and the projector would display like a picture of 
BC, whatever, you know. And then the thing would print out uh, and say it would, there would be rounds of the game and it would like tell you, it would say, the current population is blah, blah, blah. You have so many acres of farmland. You have so many farmers. Um, and the rounds are like different seasons. And so then the player has to input things like how much grain they're going to use for food, how many seeds they're going to plant, how much, you know, they're storing for later. And, and the game would then calculate the effects of players' choices on the population. And so it was, it was quite literally like, um, educational it was an educational tool but I, I that would have been so so exciting like in the 60s just these kids who literally like half of them probably don't even have tvs at home you know like mm-hmm. um and it was the way it worked was you know it was intended for like the whole class to play together um so like one person would be the inputter but you would make these decisions together mm. um and yeah, and it's like quite literally, you know, the the base for strategy games where like when I say things like, you know, when I'm saying like you have to choose what to do with your food, you have to allocate your resources. Like I pl- I play games like that today. Yeah, like, like what was that one that was super popular on the phone like a couple years ago? Like Crowns or Rain or something? Rain, like yeah. Rain. Yeah. Rains with an S because it was like a double entendre. Yeah. It's R E I G N S because it's like you're reigning the kingdom, but you also have the reins because you're in control. Anyway. Yeah, that um, one was super popular and it's just like that. Yeah, exactly. Or like Sim City or uh, Civilization or there's the a new Oregon one. Trails kind of like that. Yeah, sort of. And, and um, there's a new one that I was really obsessed with. It's not out yet. There's a new one called The Wandering Village. There's a demo though, and the demo was so fun where you literally are like, you know, you're running a village on the back of this giant dinosaur that walks around. That's um, epic. Oh, it's I think gorgeous. you might have told me about that. It's really fun, but it's not out yet, I don't think. Um, but yeah, like this is the foundation for like a huge genre of games, like massive that still come out every single year that are like so popular. Um, and yeah, so that Mabel is like credited as like the first video game female video game designer ever and like that's so sick and she died in 2004 r.i.p mabel that was Um, when i was born oh my gosh i'm like literally her reincarnation you are reincarnated mabel addis (laughs) that is our og lady um there are a ton of other you know really important women in game design and i don't want to like i'm not gonna obviously it would be so impossible for me to cover every single one this is just some of the ones I found in my research. Um, so, sorry. Sorry. Um, Nevea, in your classes, do you guys ever talk about, like, the history of game design? Or have you taken any classes like that? Yes. Um, but we definitely don't care about women enough to no. cover women no. in history. That's so shocking. So, we only cover, like, actual, like, fundamentals of games. We don't care about the legends unless they're men. So... Crash. Boo! <laughs> okay, your professors think they're the legends, so... Yeah, that's true. Most it's professors do. I'm the legend. Yeah. They're I raising the legend. Most right people now. become professors want to do that just to hear themselves talk. 
Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> no offense to any professor listeners. I'm so sorry, uh, professors. Please don't. Let's just say me. if you're if you're the kind of professor who's taking offense at that, it's probably you. Yeah, you're probably the problem. You're probably the problem. I had a lot of really, really, really bad experiences with professors when I was in college. Anyway, Some of them are cool. Well, I was going to say, if you're cool and you're actually, you know, care about your topic and you're a good person, you're probably not offended by this. So, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Um, okay, so the next person I want to talk about is Christy Marks. Um, Christy Marks is a game designer and a screenwriter and an author as well. So Christy also uh, wrote for TV in the 90s um, and wrote for like cartoons and, you know, like tons of shows like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or G.I. Joe. Like, what? like she has a really, really prolific uh or I guess, I don't know if that's the right word. She has a really, really stacked resume mm-hmm. um, in in the TV world, especially. So if you have, she also wrote for like a bunch of graphic novels and stuff like that and for several games. Um, so really like you have probably read, watched, or played at least one thing that she was involved in heavily. Um, she Her most famous game was Conquests of Camelot in 1990, um, which is an RPG sort of like I'm trying to it's like a puzzle adventure game um and it's it's old <laughs> yeah it's sort of a like a point and click adventure it's if you look it up it's really it's very 90s looking it did come out in 1990 but it was a super influential game um and Christy Marks also went on to publish a book like a how to called writing for animation comics and games um so anyone who is like oh i'm i'm i want to write for this industry this might be a good resource for you christy marks shout out christy um yeah so one of the next people i want to talk about is wait i have a question so like when we say game developer can that be like people who write the script people who do the coding people like what does that exactly mean yeah so i was trying to be so game designer i think is where we get uh you know it can mean quite a few things right nevea yeah a, a developer of a game typically is referring to more of the technological the side, tech side yeah but a game designer is all of like the art or the story usually mm-hmm. so and like we're talking about either or we're mostly talking about game design. We are talking a little bit about game development. And some of these people are double dippers. But the two that I've talked about so far are were designers and writers. Um, cool. Yes. So, yeah, the next person I want to touch on, I'm reading my notes, um, is Amy Hennig. Amy Hennig is still alive. She's the first person we've talked about that's still alive. Um and she was someone who went to film school and dropped out, was like, this sucks. And then she got a job uh, working as an artist or she got some, yeah, she got a job with a game studio and was like, oh, this is awesome. I'm so glad I, I am so freaking glad I dropped out of film school. Um, and she is a game director and a creative director and a writer on a lot of games. Um, and she is considered one of the most influential games or sorry, one of the most influential women in the game industry right now um, because she has worked like as a creative director, a game director, 
on games like the Uncharted series and Legacy of Kane and Jack and Daxter, like super, super famous, critically acclaimed, like incredible games. Um, and she is still alive. And I think that she does a lot of, um, you know, sort of not like charity work, but probably, you know, a lot of like touring and presentations and, and uh, she's still active as far as I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then someone I wanted to talk about who is also still alive is Sherry Grainer Ray. Um, so Sherry is, sorry, I've got too many tabs open, you guys. Sherry is a game designer. Uh, she's worked in a lot of roles on the Ultima series. And then she's also super uh, involved with the Star Wars Galaxy series. Um, and she's worked on a lot of franchises. Those are just some of her most famous ones. But one thing that's super, super sick about uh, Sherry Grainer Ray is her advocacy work for gender inclusive game design and the focus on young girls in her work. Um, so she wrote a book called Gender Inclusive Game Design, Expanding the Market. And then uh, she is also the founder of Her Interactive, um, which if that name sounds familiar to you, it's probably because you've played a Nancy Drew game in your life. Mm. Yeah, so mm. all of the Nancy Drew games are published by Her Interactive. Um, like, there's so many. There's dozens upon dozens of Nancy Drew games, and they've made a bunch of other ones, too. A lot of mystery detective games, um, some educational games, um, a lot of this sort of point-and-click puzzle, you know, learning sort of thing it's I'm pretty sure it's like 99% Nancy Drew stuff but um still she has been like a huge advocate for uh making games for young women and and focusing on that corner of the market um especially in the mid 90s I think this company was founded in 1995 um and that was you know when when video games were really really accessible in people's homes and like and still all of the marketing was targeted at these at boys ages like 13 to 25. Um, and she has a quote in her book that says, uh, let's see, it says, why is the game industry still producing computer games that primarily target males age 13 to 25 when research shows that women currently make up over, women and girls, sorry, uh, make up over 52% of internet users and 72, 70% of casual online gamers. This was in 2003 when she published her book. Um, I don't think that that is the correct statistic anymore. But then she also says, perhaps the real question developers need to be asking themselves is, but what if the player is female? Um, so she's, yeah, she's just done a lot of really cool work for women and girls um, and, and trying to make both the you know being a gamer and the game development industry more inclusive and i'm like that is sick yeah i hero i studied women's studies in college and like this is the term for this is androcentrism which just means like Mm male-centered and like it's interesting how like in games and you know they, they talked a lot about it a lot in medicine but it's also true in like every field where everything is like from the perspective of a man and it's designed like you when people say like it's a man's world like people say that kind of as a joke but it's also a little bit true like the world is primarily designed for men 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that's true about games. And I think that this is interesting too because online recently I've seen so many people talking about games like the Nancy Drew games or like the Barbie online games. And mm-hmm. I think about how much Aaron and I when we were younger played like those CD like CD versions of yeah, video like games. Yeah, like CD-ROMs, literally. You know, and so... Like, I just feel like it's a it's a wasted potential and a wasted opportunity in a lot of ways for... I swear I've heard... Okay, your cat. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Sam's cat's going crazy. I feel like I... Okay, let me, let me continue. Okay. Yeah, you're good. I feel like I've definitely heard multiple people say, like, the most untapped market is, like, women in video games. Yeah. So. Well, definitely. And because we all have, like... You know, it's it's just this weird, like, cultural struggle of, like, especially, and this is coming from our very American Western perspective, but, like, we, people have this, like, so, such a strong desire to exclude women from things, but also such a strong desire to make money as much as possible. And I think that we're seeing that intersection right now a lot um, of sort of these companies, like, not knowing what to do with that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, Nevaeh, this is a weird question. Do you feel like that? Are there a lot of women in your program at school? Um, when I'm in like regular classes that are not the ones that I'm taking in regards to my art focus, mm-hmm. no, there really? are very few women. But whenever I'm doing art related classes, um, mm-hmm. like I just took game art and sound, and that had the most girls that I've ever seen in, wow. the, in my game classes so far. Um, and I think that's also just an issue of not many women want to be coders they usually Mm -hmm. want to have more creative positions so you typically will only see them in creative classes and stuff because i mean it's just why take classes on something you don't care about yeah and also um a lot of the boys who are coders are very intimidating and very misogynistic so it's just typically also not somewhere that girls want to go because it's sure not a very welcoming it's not yeah it's not a safe space and like you know like like coders are like smart people and women aren't smart so and women not smart (laughs) yeah women stupid so they can't (laughs) so it's just a little it's just a little scary j everybody (laughs) that was serious um slash sarcasm Yeah, I mean, and, and that's a, it's an issue we see across, you know, a lot of industries, not just gaming, um, where, you know, it's, this is something for boys. And so it's incredibly difficult for women to even, you know, have a desire because it's like, you're, it's so ingrained, you know, culturally and societally, like, this isn't for you. Yeah. And it sucks. Like, and it, it sucks. sucks to be not included. But um, something that I think is really interesting is if you look at games that were pointed more towards women, or at least not pointing directly towards, like, what men want, they get so much criticism from men. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I have an example, like, Horizon Zero Dawn has a female lead. Uh Uh-huh. Her name is Aloy. I love Horizon Zero Dawn. She, I have seen so many people call her ugly. Mm-hmm. It is insane. So many people hate her appearance so much that they will completely boycott all of the games because they just think that she's ugly. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, like they well, are literally living in like a post-apocalyptic world 
where all of the machines want to kill her. <laughs> I don't think that she has time to worry about it's, it's, how she looks. Yeah, and I haven't played uh, Horizon Forbidden West, which is the second game. But uh, there was a really viral... It came out this year, I believe, in the past year at least. Um, and there was a super viral tweet where people took some of... There was a guy that took some of the official game art. Which, it's literally the most stunning, like, realistic... It's, it's so freaky how realistic it looks. Um but somebody took like a screenshot of her in the game and like photoshopped a bunch of makeup on her and gave her like super whitened teeth and like lipstick and like mm-hmm. fake eyelashes and was like, see, this is what guys want to see in games. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I yeah. It was insane. I saw super viral because everybody I... was like, oh my gosh, you're literally the dumbest person alive. <laughs> Um, I thought that you were going to mention for the second game, I saw official art that came out of Aloy's model up close. And yeah, it was I think showing that, off that I think that um, his tweet came from what you're yeah, about to say. But it, it was just showing off that they put a lot of detail and effort into her model and they made it super, super detailed. And the criticism that people had was that she has like peach fuzz. Like, she has, yes. like, a little bit of facial hair because that's see, what all humans have. You can <laughs> see, like, <laughs> the detail. Yeah, and it's so detailed, you can see, like, her pores. Yeah. And people are like, ew! Like, oh my god, she has a beard! No, that's so gross! <laughs> and like, oh, you've never seen a woman <laughs> up close before. You just exposed yourself so bad. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, and it's, it's true for women in game development and game design as well which i am going to get to uh i there is one other thing i'm going to cover after i cover a few more notable ladies so Mm -hmm. i think i just have two more right now that i i really wanted to bring up which there are a ton of really this one's quick her name is robin hunick i think that's how you pronounce it h-u-n-i-c-k-e um and she has worked for maxis and electronic arts um and is now working for a company called Phenomena. Um, But the reason I bring up Robin is because she was super heavily involved as a designer and producer on the game My Sims. I love My Sims. My Sims. Sims is wonderful. My Sims Agents. I played that game like six times. I, yes. I watched you play it a lot. <laughs> yeah. So My Sims, the original My Sims came out in 2007. Uh, she's worked on a lot of other games as well. And I obviously am not trying to like limit her portfolio at all. But that was the one that I was the most like, yes, My Sims. Um, and then the Robin. My Sims Hunnic. are so cute. I know. And she has also so done a cute, lot of yeah. work on. Uh, dynamic difficulty adjustment, um, which is essentially the idea of how games can cleverly adjust, like seamlessly adjust to the skills of a player um, to make it either more more challenging or a little bit more approachable. Um, and she is a super huge advocate for indie game developers and contra- like contributes a ton to uh, indie events like, you know, indie game jam, stuff like that. And then there's just one more person I wanted to talk about. And this is the only person on this list that I knew about before I started doing my research. Um, And this is only because I consume a lot of, you know, gaming industry related media. I don't think that, I don't know that you guys will know this name. Her name is Kim Swift. Um, And Kim uh, is super famously one of the creators of Portal. Um, And Portal is like, one of the most influential games 
in you know history in modern recent gaming history yeah um which like yeah do you Josie or Nevaeh tell us what Portal is Portal is um a puzzle game basically that's like the mm-hmm. biggest I feel like the really the biggest word that you could use to describe it it's just yeah it's where you get like a, a gun and you're like going to this facility that has all these puzzles set up and you just have to use these two portals an orange one and a blue one and you just have to use them to interact with your environment and get through each stage in the yeah, most basic and- way of explaining it <laughs> Yeah, and Kim Swift was the sole designer on Puzzle, or Puzzle, <laughs> Portal. <laughs> um, and yeah, this is like, it came out in, I believe, 2007. The sequel, Portal 2, came out in 2011. Um, both award-winning games that, like, genuinely took, you know, they changed a lot of the way that people approach physics in puzzle games and platformer games, like first-person games. Um, and, like, to this day, anyone who is, like, knows about video games has heard of portal like you yeah, know portal. they've not played it they've heard about it you've heard of it. Portal. you've yeah. seen portal and like there are tons of memes that have come out of it the cake is a lie all that stuff <laughs> yeah. um um but portal was also published by valve which valve is now famously the owner of steam yeah um and so like it's just such a huge uh, it was super influential, and Kim Swift was the sole designer on what ended up, you know, was a super small team, super indie uh, sort of, you know, project, and has now become one of the most influential games in in modern gaming history. Uh, she also worked on Left for Dead, yes. um, and she yeah, basically she, created Steam. She basically solely she invented Steam. <laughs> Dang, shout out Kim. Carried it on her back. Bro, so loves Steam. I feel like those are like some of the biggest Valve games. Yeah, and beyond that, uh, you know, I think she's worked on several other games since then, but that is definitely like some of her most notable work. As far as I know, she's still active. But yeah, so she's got like a whole bunch. Yeah, a bunch of Left 4 Dead, some Star Wars games. Uh all that crazy awesome stuff. She's worked on Half-Life 2. Um, anyway, super influential in Valve and, you know, which Valve is now one of the hugest uh, game producers out there. So that was all the ladies I wanted to talk about. Shout out to all the ladies. Um, thank Shout you for ladies. that. So um, and this is just something I did really want to briefly touch on. This is one of the most significant events in recent um, video game history, especially where it comes to the issue of gender, um, and it's Gamergate. You guys know what Gamergate is? Nope. No. So you guys, yeah, Josie and Nevaeh, you are definitely too young because I wasn't, I was pretty much too young. I was, so this happened in 2014. Um, so Gamergate, essentially what happened is that, um, a bunch of dudes. So it started with this woman named Zoe Quinn. Uh, Zoe Quinn was a game developer um, who was start who was working on a game that she was trying to publish. That was like it was called Depression Quest, and it was like a you know sort of a tongue in cheek text based RPG that was you know sort of a spin off of like Heroes Quest, but it was about depression. 
Um, and this was in 2013. She was trying to publish it. Um, and then she had an ex-boyfriend in the process of her publishing, you know, trying to get her game published. She had an ex-boyfriend who wrote a bunch of blog posts alleging that she had cheated on him and that she was basically having sex with men in the game journalism industry in order to get positive press for her game that was coming out. Um, and on places like 4chan and Reddit and YouTube um, and other social media sites, it it really took off this conspiracy uh, in sort of gamer guy incel type groups uh, that she was, she had definitely done all these horrible things that she had been accused of, which is still unconfirmed. Um, she definitely cheated on her boyfriend a billion times and she was definitely a super unethical person and she was basically uh, and it essentially became so intense and personal on this woman that people were tweeting death threats at her, telling her to kill herself, saying that you know like and and there are real screenshots from these forums where someone says you know oh that's we have to be so mean to her and someone responds, well, what if she hurts herself or kills herself or something like that? And the responses say things like good, then we did our job. Um, and it's just, it turned into this whole thing where, you know, companies like Intel were removing ads from certain platforms because of this. Um, and essentially Gamergate is what it, you know, got turned into a lot of the people in the community realized that this was actually a super bad look and that it made them look really bad um, because, you know, they were literally personally attacking this one woman. And then later it expanded to, you know, people were making, you know, controversial, making these terrible comments against any woman in gaming. Um, mm -hmm. And essentially what it turned into was it, it turned into this sort of movement, quote unquote, under the guise of journalistic integrity in video gaming, um, like being ethical game journalists, because, you know, she is a perfect example of someone who's ruining the ethics of game journalism, this Zoe Quinn woman. Um, but, you know, it was it was never about that. It was completely about sexism, you know, and. And the comments were so disgusting, so, you know, personal and, you know, terrifying, honestly. And she she ended up having to leave her home and stuff like that. But it did turn into sort of this movement that lasted a little while of it turned into, you know, oh, well, we're doing a good thing because we care about journalistic integrity. Um, it was pretty clearly you know, misogyny and, and there were some companies that got in with it and it was all really complicated. And if you want to actually learn more about Gamergate, you know, you can do some research. There's a lot of stuff that's, you know, was published at the time. Um, but it was also really, really damaging to a lot of women in the games industry. Um, cause it was, you know, that was less than 10 years ago in the era of social media and, and it has continued to be really, really difficult for a lot of women to exist online um, because mm -hmm. there are these communities that are literally dedicated or were, you know, and I'm sure still exist, dedicated to being like women in gaming must be sleeping their way to the top, essentially. Yeah. Um, 
And like say that about women and everything too. I know exactly any industry, but you know, this huge movement and, and in a movement that was already like super, super pro pro male, like made for men, you know, like these women who are working in gaming, whether or not they're good people are already, you know, fighting, you know, trying to find a place and, and it was already difficult to do so. But, um, you know, we're hopeful that this means, you know, that things are changing, that, uh, and, oh, and this is another thing. At, around Gamergate, there were statistics that showed that women were dropping out of gaming-related majors in colleges and were, like, genuinely intimidated. Um, but it didn't last super long. And the next year, the incoming class of, like, people studying gaming were more women than men so you know it's like it sucked but it's gonna be okay (laughs) yeah Um, but yeah like I just after that huge huge issue you know we still see this issue a lot especially with um streamers uh you know where you know there are a lot of women who who stream and there are a lot of beautiful women who stream and there are some some people who stream that you know, know that they're sexy and they use that to their advantage. And I don't think that's a crime. I don't think that they're doing, they're not doing anything morally wrong by knowing they're attractive. There's nothing wrong with that, but you know, it, it remains to be, you know, a huge target of, Mm -hmm. oh, well, you know, women, blah, blah, blah. You know, all you have to do is get your boobs out on Twitch or whatever, which is first of all, not allowed, but you know, (laughs) um, but and it's also a really, really common uh, sentiment that, oh, well, it's so easy for girls to get famous on Twitch. All you have to do is show cleavage or whatever, yeah. um, which is statistically not true because I think in the top uh, like 100 Twitch streamers, there's very, very, very few that are women. I'd have to pull up the actual statistics. Um, so clearly it's just not true because – if, if it was so easy, then the top billion would all be women, which they're yeah. not. Yeah. Um, and, and there's still issues of women earning less in the gaming industry and on, you know, on places like Twitch. And it's, it's all just very, uh, you know, frustrating that people are still choosing to target women in these industries where they already are having to freaking fight their way to the top. Yeah. But, yeah. I do think that uh, there has been a lot, a huge influx of women um, creating, you know, these spaces for other women who game, like on TikTok, you know, I follow accounts that are called like cozy game recommendations and and wholesome games and, and this sort of genre that has emerged of, or this sort of label we've given it of cozy games, uh, wholesome games, relaxing games that are almost always primarily enjoyed by and targeted to women. Um, I think that that is a really good indicator of, you know, how things are changing and how, how really the best and a lot of companies will also, you know, do things like initiatives to hire, hire more women, you know, like Intel did a big one or, or there's, and there's been a ton, a ton of very recent controversy with massive game companies like Blizzard uh, like super mistreating employees, <laughs> especially female employees and yeah. like CEOs being creepy perverts and, you know, and so is everything better? No, but I do think that the, the more recent ability for women to, 
or for people to be kind of self-made and create communities on their own on places like TikTok and social media. Um, I think it, it's, it's a very clear indicator that like the best person to create a safe space for women is, you know, someone who shares an experience or someone who's either, you know, a woman or, you know, feminine or whatever, non-binary mm-hmm. people, that sort of thing. Um, and I just, I think that, I think that we're going to be okay. I hope. That, uh, like really this is kind of a downer ending because I started with all the awesome ladies in gaming and then I ended with like, but also yikes on bikes. Um, <laughs> but like, I, I mean, really think about it. Like I covered half of one list and there are so, so, so many incredible, incredible women who have made games, who continue to make games um, and who will be added to these lists online of like most influential game designers, you know, like it's, it's cool. It's cool. And, and every industry, you know, has its own history. Every industry changes in, at a different rate. But, like, I do think that now is a really good time for growth and change in the gaming industry. Anyway. Period. Per. Period. <laughs> oh, I do want to shout out my references really quick. I used a few websites. I used Wikipedia for some of the more detailed profiles on people. I used GameIndustryCareerGuide.com gawker for a little bit of history on gamergate uh gamedesigning.org and then i used i i went to the websites of several um you know personal portfolios or uh the studios that some of these people are currently working at so yeah that's all that anyway what are you guys playing right now the last of us (laughs) i am currently making her play the last of us i love it Uh, so like you said what part you're at how far percentage wise um 25 percent i don't know we just got to fall yeah we just like i literally stopped when it said fall. we we just finished summer and for reference the game begins in summer and it ends in spring i'm pretty sure Mm -hmm. it's like a full year yeah it's a full year so not very far but I feel like the first game goes like by the really fast. It's freaking game I've ever played. <laughs> You're bad. She like plays short games. Dang. She does die like 16 times in any encounter. So Maybe I you need think to, you need to like switch the difficulty or something. It is on normal. I advise to switch go on it, easy. Switch it to easy. Who cares? No, it's way more fun <laughs> to try it a million times. <laughs> okay. So we're just, it feels good when I figure yeah, it out. We're just sure. taking it slow. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, Sam, what are you playing right now? I've just been playing Animal Crossing, honestly. I love it. Yeah. Um, let's see. Okay, so we do have a few submissions. Uh, we have one from Anora Crescent. She, her. Uh, Anora says she is playing Smite. Uh, and wow. I have never heard of Smite before. I'm looking it up. Smite really? is like Smite. It's kind of like Dota or like League of Legends. Kind yeah. Of. So, so she says the best MOBA. If you haven't played and don't know about the game, you play as gods and goddesses from different religions slash pantheons. That does sound cool. I'm not a MOBA person. I've tried. Okay. Multi multiplayer online battle arena. Yes. Right. I I is? play League of Legends, so I understand them. Okay. Have you uh, played, I played Smite? a little bit of Smite? I think because I started off with League, I'm just like a really well, I don't know if you've heard of, like the stigma around people who play League. Yeah. Yeah. So Smelly I'm just a really hateful yeah. and toxic person. 
so I just can't appreciate any other MOBA. But I do understand. It's very cool. I like the concept of the characters and stuff. I love it. Um, I tried League and I just couldn't get into it. But, you know, maybe that's because it was League and not because it's a MOBA. So Yeah, that might just be a Riot Games thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we have one more submission from our dear friend, Brooke from New Zealand. Yes! Uh, Brooke says she is playing Bug Snacks right now. Oh my uh, gosh, Bug Snacks! Have you guys played Bug Snacks? Uh, I've watched, okay, one of my YouTube comfort videos as RT Game playing Bug Snacks, and it is the best video ever, and everyone should go watch it. I, I love Bug Snacks. I, I think yeah. I've also seen that same video. I love Bug Snacks. It's like insane. Yeah, Bug Snacks one, is one that I've definitely always been like, oh, I, I'll get around to it. It did recently get like a remaster or something. No, because it's only like two years old. Yeah. I Recently, though, it was like in the, it was like on, you know, in the, I can't, I don't know. People were talking about it. Yeah. Um, but Brooke says, this game deserves so much more hype than it gets. Uh, oh, okay, okay. This is what she said. Uh, last month it came to Game Pass and the Switch. Okay, so that's, I was like, people were definitely talking about this. She says, in it, you are a journalist visiting Snacktooth Island, and most of the gameplay is spent catching half bug, half snack creatures called bug snacks that are so cute. Um, And the leader of the town who invited you to the island has gone missing. So you're trying to find out what happened to her, but also catching bug snacks for the locals to eat. Um, You complete quests for the locals, and you get more of the map, and um, she says it is extremely cute, but can get quite dark at times. There's a cool yeah, twist. Yeah, it's like very interesting. She says, despite the twist and the darkness, I consider this to be a cozy game because you can't die and there aren't many high stress moments. It's pretty casual. And I think this may be my all time favorite game. Wow. Which that is high praise. I it's one. Yeah. Bugsnax is one of those games where I'm always like, yeah, whatever, whatever. I'll get to it eventually. But like, dang, now I want that makes me want to play it. That makes yeah, me need to like get it right. Pretty, I, mean, I think yeah, it's a very valid. interesting game. You kind of the characters kind of look like Muppets. Um, yeah, yeah. They're it's got a cute art style. I like it. Oh, but thank you, Brooke and Anora Crescent, for your submissions. Thank you, love you. Um, if you would like to hear <laughs> yourself read in somebody's voice, not either mine or Sam or Josie's voice on the podcast. Uh, you can submit what you're playing right now by clicking the link in our Instagram bio at Fate Gamer Girls Pod, or you can fill out the form on our website, which is FateGamerGirls.com. Um, and for me, I just finished Tales of Arise. I literally would give it a ten out of ten. It was the best freaking game ever. I freaking love Tales of Arise. <laughs> just ordered a bunch of Tales of Arise themed stickers to put on my water bottle. Yes. Freaking cosplay. Oh man, I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. Um, but that's all we have today. Anybody got Ooh. any? Final comments? Um, I have one thing to say. Yeah. Stay cool, gamer! Oh, thank you to Let's Go. Oh, yeah, and thank you to Vea, also. Yeah. Yes. Everybody, Vea. my Vea. birthday is coming up. If you want to buy me a Miku figure, let me know. No, <laughs> I will not allow it. Mm, All right. Okay, well, just Stay DM cool. me and I won't tell Aaron. Stay cool, <laughs> Nevea. Thank you. Stay cool, gamer. I love women. Shout out women. Shout out women. Anyway, bye. Bye.